Hello, and welcome to another episode of Hope Motivates Action Podcast. I am your host, Lindsay Recknell, a workplace mental health professional, speaker, podcaster, and an expert in hope. I consider myself so lucky to share a microphone with the guests I have on this podcast. They show up with such heart and courage, compassion, and authenticity, sharing their stories of transformation or how they've helped others through transformation. With a foundation in the science of positive psychology and a focus on hope, action, and creating a future better than today, I'd love to inspire you towards your own transformation, whether that's in your career, in your life, or even just starting with how you think and show up in the world. Whether it's through this podcast, my Dream Catalyst coaching program, or my many webinars and workshops, I have the best job in the universe because I get to bring you these episodes with these guests and this message of hope. But enough for me, let's get on with the show. We're going to start this podcast season with an incredibly moving story of courage, loss, faith, and so much hope. It's a tough story to hear though, so please take care of yourself if you're at all triggered by listening to this story. Lindsay Hannon is a wife and mother to three beautiful children, Emily, Elodie, and Henry, two of whom are angels after being born with genetic terminal illnesses. Connecting to her strong faith, Lindsay and her husband have navigated loss, love, and hope through their journey of infertility, pregnancy, and infant loss, and she comes on the show to share her hope with others. Lindsay works as an attorney and is also a certified end-of-life doula and is working on becoming a certified grief counselor. I feel so honored that she's come on the show to share her story with us. So without further ado, let's get to it. Hello, Lindsay. Welcome to the show. Hello. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. It is my favorite to have Lindsay's on the show. You might be <laughs> like the th- for sure the third, maybe maybe even the fourth, if I'm forgetting <laughs> one, um, which is a whole other thing. Uh, the other Lindsay's <laughs> and I have decided one day we are going to create a podcast all about Lindsay's. So when we do, you will be invited to join that show also. I like that. I like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> There's something special about being Lindsay and I really love to have them on my show. So it's really great to have you here. You have an incredible story and I can't wait for you to share it with us. So maybe let's just start there. Could you share a little bit with us about how you have used Hope to Motivate Action in your life? Sure. Um, so, you know, I have I have three children. Uh, my oldest daughter, Emily, was born in December 2017. She was perfectly healthy, perfect little girl that we brought home and uh, made us want to have a million more of her. And so um, we got pregnant again with our daughter, Elodie, in November of 2019. Um, and we found out at my 20-week anatomy scan that she had some issues, which kind of led us on this journey to finding out that um, she had a condition called Meckel-Gruber syndrome, which just the long and short of it, it's a rare genetic disease that both parents have to be a carrier of in order for it to manifest itself because it's a recessive gene. And so that's why my husband and I just both happen to be carriers of it and and because it's recessive, we had no idea until this happened to our daughter. So, you know, at first I think you you go on this journey and I think I had this feeling of hope of, you know, I'm we're all we're all religious in my family, we're all members of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, and so I was like, okay, we're all going to pray. And then when I go for my follow-up appointment, you know, my doctor referred me to someone for a, a second opinion, then 
it will be like this miraculous healing or, you know, they'll be like, oh, there's nothing wrong. It was just, you know, weird things happen sometimes with ultrasounds kind of thing. And so we just all had this hope. But then it was like every appointment I went to, the news just got worse and worse from going from, oh, she's got these issues to finally she's got this condition that has a 100% mortality rate. And I really had to learn at that point that I can't put my hope in in things or in a certain outcome. I can't only have hope if my daughter lives, if she's healed, if I get the things I'm asking for and want, but that I really have to just focus my hope in Jesus Christ. Because for me, I believe He's my Savior and He's promised me things and He doesn't lie. And so even though my daughter was born on August 6, 2020, she lived for four days, which was phenomenally hard to go through, um, that my my hope and faith is in Him and His promise that that death isn't the end which was really tested when we once again got pregnant and found out that our son Henry had the same condition because at first we were all very hopeful that it was like a weird fluke thing that happens. We talked to a geneticist and she was like, you could both have this gene, only one of you could have it and the other one mutated. You know, there's like this whole continuum of genetics that you don't learn about until you unfortunately have to. (laughs) And, um, I did have a period where I was pregnant with my son where I did just feel like, okay, I already went through this and I, I had faith and I had hope and here I, I don't want to go through it again. (laughs) You know, I'm just, I don't, I don't want to do this again. I've already done this. It was the hardest thing I've ever done, but I, that was my plan was this is never happening again. And so I really um, thought about the story of Job and how just everything was taken from him, but he still, again, had faith in Christ. And that, you know, in the end, he got back even more than he had lost to begin with. And that's something that I really lean on every day to try to find joy in life and, and to know that right now, while I'm living the rest of the, my life on this earth, missing my two children, and still obviously wishing that things were different, that it's okay because Jesus Christ has promised me that they're my children forever. And so this is just sort of like a temporary time period. And that gives me hope to just keep moving forward, keep making sure that like our oldest daughter feels like she has a relationship with her siblings Um, and us having the courage. Actually, next week, I'm going for a doctor's appointment. We're going to do IVF, try IVF to try for a baby that doesn't have this condition, which is terrifying. Um, But I I do have hope. I have hope that, you know, even, even though we go through really dark, hard things that I've, I've had promises made to me by, a God in heaven who loves me and who is with me through this. And he's not just saying like, sorry, that's just the way it goes. But he's, he's walking next to me and he's supporting me and he's helping me find that, you know, there's joy and beauty in life and my family is beautiful and we can have relationships with 
all of us, even the ones that have already moved on. So that's what gives me hope Mm. every day. You have an incredible story, Lindsay. Thank you. I can't even imagine going through what you've gone through, especially with your level of grace and patience, (laughs) understanding for sure. Clearly, you are grounded in your faith, which is unbelievable. And I know that you draw a ton of strength from that. Um, and And I have to imagine that over the last four years, it hasn't always been this way either, that, you know, this is something you've come around to and are showing your best self for us here on the show, but (laughs) unbelievable story. And I mean, words cannot express how sorry I am for you and your family and for your daughter and, and your husband and all the things that you've gone through. But I so appreciate you sharing with us because I don't know, it's, it's when we hear stories of other people's perseverance, it, makes me feel like we can too. You know, if Mm -hmm. if there's people that are listening that are going through something as hard, you know, not as hard, whatever, it matters to them. Um, Hearing the way that you perceive it or how you're moving forward, I imagine gives them hope that they too can grow through this and build their resilience through it. So thank you for your courage. All of those words to say, thank you for your courage to show up with us today. And um, very exciting, cautiously optimistic for your appointment next week. That's new, uh, that's new revelation. So that's, that's, um, that's exciting. Yeah. We're, like I said, we're, we're excited and nervous, but we are, we're moving forward. So amazing. Well, um, so can we talk about, um, kind of the transformation. Cause I, you know, and I think we've talked about this where the day to day can be super, super hard, but the, you know, like the journey, you can stay positive or, or have different perspective. What do you do on those really hard days to make it through to the next day? Imagining that there must still be some really hard days. Oh yes, definitely. Like when you said that I handle this with grace and patience, I was like, those are not words I would use to describe how I've handled this. Um, because I do, I, you know, I mean, I've had times where I've been really angry that why did I, why did this, why did we have to go through this once, let alone twice, you know? And I've had times where I've sort of had moments where I'm like, well, what's the point? What is the point of this all? Like, why, why do we all have to be here? Everybody, on this earth, they have trials, they have hard things happen. And why does it have to be that way? It's just, it doesn't seem fair. And I think I've just really leaned on recognizing one thing that my dad would always say to us is that life isn't fair. And you kind of have to let go of that expectation Darn it. that life is <laughs> going to be fair because it's not, you know? <laughs> and so, but that everything unfair about this life is made right through the atonement of Jesus Christ. And, you know, that was sort of the point, I think, a lot of times, and I think I said this to you before, I think a lot of times Christians kind of have this general idea of, if I have faith in Jesus Christ and believe that He came and suffered for me, then that means that my life's going to be all good because I believe in Him. But if that were the case, he wouldn't have had anything to come here and suffer for, you know? So it's it's about looking more at what he's done for me in this more infinite worldview or infinite view beyond the world that 
I, I can only understand a tiny scope of, but because he has suffered through all of this, I feel like it's made me feel safer to say to him in prayer, I'm really mad at you right now because <laughs> I don't like that this is happening. And he can say, I-, I know you are, and I understand that, but I just want you to remember that I'm here, that I've suffered for all of this. And that I've made you a promise that your family gets to be together forever. And so it's not always instantaneous, but I think just that concept of deciding that, you know, I'm just going to be very honest when I talk to God about how I'm feeling, remembering that that's the point is that he came here to suffer for me so that when I'm suffering, I can lean on him and say, I don't like this. Today's a bad day. And, you know, he'll be there for me in a lot of different ways. It's like, we always love you, but we don't have to like you right now. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like, I'm really oh, wait, that's just what I say to my family. <laughs> right. But, you know, that's kind of the thing I think anyone as a parent learns is like, my four-year-old will have plenty of times where she gets mad at me because, you know, I've ruined her life in some way or another that day, you know. But I know from my vantage point of someone who's lived longer than her that, what I'm doing is for her benefit and for her own good and not because I want to make her suffer, but because I love her. And so that has taught me a lot about my relationship with my heavenly father to say, I'm going to act like a four-year-old right now and tell you I'm mad at you. But I can also now recognize and remember that, you know, he understands more than I do. And he's, he doesn't, you know, inflict us with things to make us suffer so he can laugh and point, but he allows us to go through trials because he loves us. Mm-hmm. Well, and the opportunity to grow and to take meaning from whatever the situation is, um, you know, like, yeah, it is a opportunity to discover how strong we are and how um, different perspective and things like that. Right. Yeah. yeah. Cause if everything came easy to everybody, I mean, the world would be a boring place. Let's be well, honest. And, and we wouldn't appreciate we wouldn't appreciate being on the other side of it, right? We, I, yeah. I feel like we would take advantage. Um, yeah. And for sure, you probably don't parent any differently to your surviving child on this earth. But I imagine that it definitely informs your, I don't know, attitude towards her and just you know, like being real appreciative and not taking her for granted and things like that. Yeah. And I think also because I do have times where, you know, Elodie and Henry are my children who will never talk back to me. They never, I don't have to spend sleepless nights with them. They, they never yell at me. You know, they never, I don't have any of those issues with them. And so to me, I guess it's really important that I just always remember that I don't, it can be easy, I guess, to just put these children on a pedestal because they're, they're my perfect children, you know? And, but that she obviously is here on this earth for a reason. And she's had to go through saying goodbye to two siblings. And she's being a normal kid when she acts those ways. And that um, she's not any less special or important to me than they are. And it's really important to me that. I don't ever try to make it like an a them versus her thing where she feels like, you know, mommy loves them more than she loves me or anything like that. But she just feels like they're all my children. I'm grateful for all of them. 
I love all of them equally. And it's made a big difference. I think I've, I've been better at trying to be just more patient with her and, and remembering to see things from her perspective that, you know, just because she's four doesn't mean her feelings don't matter and things like that. So, well, and at four, that's a lot to have happened in her short life. Yeah. And for, you know, for her to um, figure out her feelings on, most of us don't go through that in 80 years of life. (laughs) (laughs) Truly. I mean, and how, like, so how has she coped or how has she grown her resilience through this? You know, she's really amazing. And and her middle name is Grace. And someone said something to me once about how she's handled this with so much grace. And I said, well, maybe that's why that had to be her middle name. And, you know, when Elodie died, she was about two and a half. And she, we got to bring Elodie home from the hospital since she lived for a few days. Henry only lived for three hours. And um, so for about a month, after Elodie died, she'd come running into our bedroom in the morning looking for her. And she would tell me, you know, oh, I had I had a dream. I had a dream about Elodie. And um, it was hard because it's like, you're grieving as a parent. And it's like her grief is kind of more extended because at two and a half, she has a minimal understanding of what's going on. But as she gets older and we continue to talk about, yes, you have a sister, you have a brother. Do you remember meeting them? Do you, you know, then that's, she's going to have more realizations of, of what happened. And so it's been kind of a process. I've always tried to be very open with her. Um, She'll see me cry and it can be kind of hard because she'll see me cry and she doesn't like it. And she feels like, and she's told me it's my job to make you feel better. And I've tried really hard to just tell her, no, that's not your job, you know, but I just want you to know that I am crying right now, but that doesn't also, that doesn't mean I'm always sad, you know, and sometimes I think about them and I, I feel like I can feel them close and I don't feel like crying. You know, I I feel like being very happy and I want her to know that every single thing that she can feel about it is okay. And that she can always tell me she doesn't feel like, you know, I can't talk about Elodie and Henry to mommy because mommy doesn't like, you know, that'll just make her sad or something. So, I mean, it's a process because at four, sometimes she's, she's like, but I don't like when you cry, you know? And I'm like, I, I know, but it's not, it's not your job to make me feel better. It's, and it's okay to be sad about things sometimes, you know? Um, so she's very, I mean, she'll, she'll tell me about, oh, you know, I was playing and I felt like Elodie and Henry were there playing with me. And, you know, I had a dream about them and she'll just, she'll tell me stuff all the time. And I, I love hearing that. We always try like at Christmas and Valentine's day, she always gets a gift from them. Um, and we'll take her to the cemetery regularly so she can see the headstones and we can change out the flowers and everything. So, you know, it's, it's just kind of one of those things where you're like, I don't know if I'm doing it right, but I'm just trying to make sure that she knows that she can express anything she feels about it at any time, because she'll be the one, you know, if we are successful at having more children, she's the one that remembers these two and can share those memories with more siblings that come. So, you know, she gets to carry those memories with her 
And so I, I wanted to not be afraid of that. And so far she's not, and she's young, so that's good. But that's kind of my goal with her is that she's just never afraid of talking about them or feeling even times where she feels sad because they're not here, that that's okay. Well, and you're, you're growing a well-adjusted potential adult. <laughs> you know, I feel like there's so many adults out there in the world who didn't have this kind of support and love and discussion at their home when they were four years old and younger and, and older. So now we've got all these super not adjusted at all humans yeah. walking around, you know, leading us in organizations and and uh, supporting us in our communities and things like that. And and I feel like, I mean, we always say that you, you get to go through hard times to build your resilience and learn how resilient you can be mm-hmm. um, and to feel comfortable having these kinds of conversations and how hard conversations take practice. You know, you're teaching her so that it just becomes part of who she is and how she lives her life. And I feel like you're setting that foundation for the rest of her life and, and for all the future family members that, and friends and colleagues that she comes into contact with. And like you say, you know, whether you're doing it right or wrong or, or whatever, um, you know, you guys are doing it. And that, that's, you know, I, I, I think that's huge as well is that you're intentionally trying to teach her that emotions and feelings are totally okay. Thank you. Yeah, I and I will say I'm just I'm constantly amazed by her. I think even though it's not her job to make me feel better, when when I hear her sometimes the way she talks, I I, I do feel like, yeah, it is gonna be okay. You know, <laughs> it's it she helps she helps me remember that I have that hope and that she helps me kind of remember that this is this is temporary and we're all going to be okay. <laughs> so. Yeah, oh, that's beautiful. That's beautiful. Um, do you, so I know clearly faith is a huge aspect of your life, foundational in your life. Do you differentiate hope from faith? Uh, that's a good question. And I have thought about this because I, I feel like they are very overlapping. Um, because I, again, it's like I, I have... I have faith in Jesus Christ. And I guess that that faith is what motivates me to have hope in the promises I feel he's made that, you know, after his atonement and his death and his resurrection, when he, you know, you can read in the scriptures that he's made these promises that we'll all be resurrected someday and our families can be eternal. They can be together forever. That because I have faith that he did those things that he did, then I can have hope in those promises. And so I guess that's how I differentiate them. But they are very overlapping. I I don't think you can have hope in something without having faith in it first. So that's that's my idea or view on it, I guess. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And I love to ask questions like that because... um, you know, there's 7 billion people in the world. And I think there are 7 billion different definitions of hope and faith and how they fit together. I remember when I started doing this work and my dad said to me, uh, what does hope even mean? I was like, you know, intuitively, we know that language. We know what that means. But what does it actually mean to me? And I have my own definition now after doing, you know, being talking about it for the last five years. Um, But I love to hear other people's definition of it, especially um, in, in conjunction or in relation with other really similar words that people will 
use typically synonymously. And especially with someone with as deep a faith as you have, um, it's cool to hear your perspective as well. I like that a lot. Um, and it's, uh, yeah, most often the language comes from a come comes from a spiritual place that is often where people start even if they're not religious even if they um you know aren't practicing or or whatever it often starts in a place of spirituality um which is very cool i like that yeah and i think that's you know i i had this conversation with my sister a little bit about you know she kind of asked me what i thought hope was, what was my definition of hope? And I think a lot of times just in our general vernacular, you know, we'll say, oh, I hope it rains or, oh, I hope we have ice cream after dinner tonight or something. And we use it sort of in this flippant, more uncertain way, you know, that, oh, I don't know if that's going to happen, but I hope it does, you know, but really when you place your hope in something that you can have faith in, like for me, that would be placing my faith in Jesus Christ, then that hope is more sure. It's not, I don't have to move through life. Of course, I don't know things with a hundred percent certainty, but because I live by that faith, then I, that hope is more sure that, you know, it's, it's sort of like a math equation. If Jesus Christ is who I believe he is, then these things will happen. And that's sort of the equation of hope for me, I guess. So. Oh, I love that. That's beautiful. Also, shout out to your sister, Maddie, uh, who is <laughs> listening to this, I'm sure. Um, <laughs> I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> Where else do you see hope in the world? So I know you have this cool perspective, this hard perspective that is hard won through your life experience. Um, where else do you see hope in the world? I think I see it in the good I see people trying to do in the world. And, you know, um, just in individuals, but also organizations that say they're going to try to do something to help other people. And it can be so moving to just see people kind of push back past all those, those different things that people try to try to divide us and say, you know, if you believe differently than I do, or if your politics are different than mine, or whatever the case may be, then we can't be friends and I can't help you. But to see those truly good people that just say, I, I want to do things to help people in this world because there's a lot of people that suffer and suffer in so many ways, you know, that to see people who just want to help and who are creative sometimes when I hear about different organizations that do things and I'm like, Oh, that's amazing that they ever even thought of that. You know, that's, that's so cool that they came up with this idea and they're tenacious enough to put it into action. I think that tenacity comes from hope as well. And in, in saying, you know, I, whether they believe in God, God calling them to do it or, a, you know, whatever the case may be that they just decide that this is something that they're meant to do and they go out and they do it and they help people and they make people's lives better because of it. And that, that's how, that's where I see a lot of hope in this world. If there are people listening, and I imagine that there are people listening who are feeling like they don't have a story similar to yours, but that they are feeling something hard, that they are going through something hard. Um, there, you know, they are listening to you right now. Do you have some words of encouragement or words of hope and inspiration for them? 
I think I would just say that it's important to not give up. Um, we're all meant to go through hard things. And something that I think about a lot, just from my, again, my faith perspective, um, there's a scripture in the New Testament that says that we won't be given anything more than we're able to handle without the Lord providing us a way to handle it. And, you know, for me, that's Jesus Christ. He's the way. So we are all given a lot of things in life that they're heavy and they're hard for us to handle on our own, but you don't have to be alone. There's a, there's a lot of people, if you, if you are, if you do have faith, definitely number one, lean on God um, because he's there for you. And there's a lot of people around you who, who love you. And if you really feel desolate and alone, there's a lot of hotlines you can call. There's people out there who do, they want, they want you to know that you matter and that your life matters and that what you're going through matters. And I mean, if I could, I would definitely have a conversation with anyone who's feeling like, you know, life has no hope for them. And just, I would just sit and listen because I think a lot of times that's really just what people need is for someone to just listen to them as they vent their frustrations and their fears and their worries and everything. But um, find someone who will do that for you. And they don't have to try to fix your problems, but they'll just let you know that they're on your side and they're cheering for you. Because there's, if you haven't, I I used to work with someone who said, um, you know, if you haven't gotten through something, then it's just not done yet. But at some point it will be done, you know? And so at some point there's a light at the end of the tunnel. At some point you'll get through to the other side and you'll be really glad that you did. And you just hope that light is not a train. Yeah. <laughs> Don't go in any real tunnels. That's <laughs> right, <laughs> exactly. Um, and I, I, so I feel like if you've might, you've answered this already, but I ask the same question at the end of every show, and that is, Lindsay, what gives you hope? Um, I think you know, like I said, number one, Jesus Christ gives me hope. Um, he gives me hope that things will get better, things will work out, um, and then that hope can spread to you know, my family, the people who love me, give me hope. Um, like I said, the people I see out there just actively trying to do good things and help other people gives me hope. So yeah, I think anytime I can see anyone that's trying to follow Jesus Christ or his teachings, if they don't believe in him, but he taught a lot of good things. So when you see people striving to do those things that he taught, that, that brings me a lot of hope. Well, you bring me a lot of hope. This conversation has been beautiful. I just, I, I so admire your courage and your perspective and the way that you have used your experience to pay it forward for other people who, um, yeah, are, are struggling with things that matter to them. And I really feel like you've given them things to think about and places to go. Um, and maybe just a different perspective that may really help them get over that maybe that hump that they were sitting on wondering like, how do I take the next step? How, you know, I'm, I'm stuck here or something like that. So I so appreciate your uh, perspective and your, your grace and your kindness. So thank you for being here. Well, thank you for having me. It's a real pleasure to get to know you and I look forward to our next conversations. So thanks. Uh, thanks again for being here and we'll catch you again soon. 
Thank you so much for listening to another episode of the Hope Motivates Action podcast. The science of hope and positive psychology has had such a huge impact on me and my work. And I love that I get to share knowledge, research, and stories from this evidence-based science as well. It is my sincere wish that you hear something that resonates with you in these episodes, that you feel the contagious power of hope and are motivated to take action over the things you can control, all towards creating a future better than today. I have such a passion for this work, and I love connecting with you, my listeners, my clients, and with my guests on this show to help create transformation. Hope is contagious, so thank you for listening, for sharing the podcast with your friends and family, engaging with me through my programs, my workshops, and my speaking. As one of this season's guests mentioned to me off air, if everyone listening could give the podcast a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts, imagine the hopeful content Apple would start creating in their podcast algorithm. It's conversations like these that spread more hope and joy into the world. I'm looking forward to keeping the conversation going, so reach out anytime. As always, I'm here if you need me.